0: this morning we thought it would be good, we're, we're told in Romans 13, to uh, respect those in authority, and uh, so with this morning we wanted to do is, uh, is honor those that are in uh, law enforcement. Uh, so what we'd like to do at this moment, if you uh, have, our, our cur- or currently, yeah, I can talk, those who are currently involved in law enforcement, or those who have been in the past, if you just go ahead and raise your hand for us real quick, you got the, is the mic back there, it's got the, Mike, a former fireman, is going to be handing out cards to the law enforcement. So that's pretty good. Thanks, Mike. I know there's always kind of a thing between firemen and police officers. You know. Anybody else? I didn't see anybody else since. All right, great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, again, we uh, want to be able to honor them and thank them for their, for their work and what they do. Um, in our, and if you see a police officer, um, you know, make sure you, you thank him or her for their uh, service um and I just uh we we've been talking as pastors in our campuses, and um we just felt like there, we needed to make a statement concerning police officers and this idea of defunding uh police officers and so um i I just have this one thing to say and then I'm with what um God's word tells us as it pertains to our freedom as Christians and responsibility and, and that's this. No matter what happens in our country, we're going to have law and order of some kind, right? Someone is going to have authority, and someone is going to have the law that's a part of that authority. We have a constitution and a legal system that was developed from that constitution. It was designed to be changed, it was designed to be changed by uh, we, the people, voting people in that we believe. Will lead well. We understand that we're sinners, they're sinners. Uh, we understand that there's uh, people get power in their hands and they begin to operate outside of maybe even the law. But the point is, our constitution, our legal system was designed to be reformed, to be changed. Or we can have law and order in another way, and this is just a current example when they made the autonomous zones those who were calling for the funding of police officers they set up their own borders they set up their own armed patrols and they chose who came in and who didn't this particular guy actually has a second timothy 2 3 through 4 and so they pulled out people who they didn't feel belonged there point is We will have law and order in this country. The question is, as Americans, what kind do we want? And the best designed protest that we have is to go and vote what we believe is the best to have. All right, having said that, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 9. It's page 1147. We're going to start in verse 19. We've been looking at this uh, this idea of enough of the bad news, let's look at some of the good news, that, the things that are associated with our salvation. Obviously salvation is awesome, we don't deserve it. God is just incredible that he would allow that, and then also be the one who made sure it happened. Um, but over and above that, there's some other good things. So we've been looking at that, we're going to close out this uh, series on this, but we're going to be looking at the idea of our freedom. The freedom that God has given us through faith in Christ, but the fact that there's um, responsibility that comes with that. And so, during the messages, I always will throw up truth, you know. So here's one truth. Your God-given freedom through salvation brings with it God-given responsibility. Now this morning, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be stepping on people's toes, including my own, uh, which is good. But we have to understand something. Those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, if you haven't done that, you sit back and just, I guess, listen to my melodious tones. Um, but understand what God calls a Christian to do. So if you're kind of thinking about, oh, I don't know, should I put my faith in Christ or not, this whole Christian thing? Well, listen to this message and you determine if that's something that you want to have as your responsibility. Because being a Christian is not an easy thing, especially in this world. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and we say we believe He did that for us, and we've asked God to forgive us our sins, and God's reconciled our relationship with Him through that, and His Holy Spirit is living in us, and when we die one day, we're going to go to heaven. But we have a purpose and a reason for why He left us here. We have a God-given responsibility connected to the freedom we have. See, we're not constrained by this world. We're going to find out this morning. God has you where you're at for a purpose. It's not a mistake. The family you're in, the neighborhood you're in, the workplace you go to, the clubs that you're a part of, whatever. It's not a mistake that you're there. You're there for a purpose. A God-designed purpose. And we have a responsibility to know what that is. We're going to be looking at verse 19. And then we're going to uh, break it down, and then we're going to look at some takeaways. It says this, this is Paul talking. A guy who, by the way, um, was very um, well-versed in riots. Okay, so we can learn something from this guy. This is the guy who was beaten within inches of his, his life by those who were rioting because he had, was sharing Christ's message of salvation. He says this, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. He's not saying win more debates. Okay? To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. So that I might win those who are are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? In such a way that, uh, run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games, so he's talking about the Olympic-type games that they had back then, exercises self-control in all things. They train. They work hard. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, a wreath that's going to eventually wilt and die and just fall, right? But we, an imperishable wreath, reward. Not, not our salvation, we already have that but something over and above. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in, a, in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. We're going to look at this morning our freedom, our response, and our commitment to the responsibility we have in this world. So let's look at this idea of, of freedom. Christians are free from all men. Paul says, though, for though I am free from all men. Paul was an apostle, right? And so he was certainly free from all men. He answered to God, he was inspired by God. There is no way in the world anybody's ever going to debate with him and win over theology, doctrine, or how to live out the Christian life. Nobody could tell Paul how he should live, what he should do, how he should respond to life, to the world that he lived in. Only God could do that. And so he was free from Christians, non-Christians, didn't matter. He was free from what they thought he should or shouldn't do. He was also a Roman um, citizen, and as such, he had all the freedom that comes with that. Rome was uh, in authority over the entire known world at that time, and so he could go freely to wherever he wanted to go, and he had benefits that were given to him, and legal benefits that were given to him, which he actually used when he was arrested for um, preaching the gospel. If you know anything about Paul's life, he was out preaching the gospel. That's what he did every day, and what he was doing was causing people to be upset, and those people got upset, and they started rioting, and they went after Paul, and a couple times Paul was rescued and moved off to another area. and But it one time, several times he's arrested, but this particular time he was arrested and brought back to Rome and he used his citizenship to be able to voice his case. Um, Rome didn't care and they actually put him to death. Point is, Paul answered to God. And we as Christians, we are... The same way, right? We we don't answer to anybody, really we answer to God. When it comes to our social stuff that's going on, the issues that are in our in our culture right now, in our country, you got Christians on both sides. And you got Christians telling us to wear masks, don't wear masks, you got Christians saying defund the police, don't defund the police, and you got you need to protest, you shouldn't be protesting. We got a bunch of Christians telling Christians what to do, we got non Christians telling Christians what they should and shouldn't do. But we're free from their constraint. Because we only do what God tells us to do. And not only that, but we're Americans. Right? Land of the free, home of the brave. Did I get that right? In the first service, I butchered that really bad. I said we're the land of the home and free of the brave. or something. I can't remember. It was a mess. Uh, I was a mess. But no, we're Americans. You can't tell me what to do and what to say. I'm an American. I almost feel like we should have like a song now. You know. Right? I mean, you can't tread on me and what I believe.
1: Here's a problem for us
0: who think that way as Christians. God throws a massive wrench into that thinking. Because we're free of all men, but then he has Paul
1: tell us this. We are,
0: as Christians, are slaves to all men. Positionally in Christ, we're free of constraints from anybody. But in application, we are slaves of everyone. And we're slaves in three ways. First one, he mentions, is that we're constrained by the needs of others. Paul says that he's a slave. He became as a Jew to the Jews. He became as one without the law. He became one like under the law, one without the law. To those who was weak, he became weak. He was all things to all men. He was constrained by the needs and concerns of everyone else around him.
1: What does that mean? Well,
0: um, Paul sought to get to know the people he was around, find out what's going on in your life, what do you see as your greatest need? What are you fearful of? What are your concerns? And then at that point, he brings in the gospel. And so we, you know, we look at the issues that are are going on in our lives, right? Can we get like really practical here? You, we have this virus. That depending on where you're at, I mean, people are freaking out about it, and and rightfully so, right? I mean, people have died from this, and the people who get it, those who get it really bad, it's a bad. I've read it. It's bad. It's you don't want to go through it. But as Christians, as we're dealing with people, whether they're people who are concerned about it or people, yeah, who cares? No people are concerned about it. They're wimps. We walk into that situation, and it, and it works really well, I think, for those that are concerned about the virus, and you just say, hey, you know, just kind of curious. I know you're concerned about it, and I appreciate the concern, and I, you know, I'm there with you on that. Why? Why are you concerned? Ultimately, the people I've talked to, they, they say, well, I don't want to die from it. So really, your fear is, is not so much from a virus, but death. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know that you're going to die one of these days. Yeah, yeah, I know. So your real fear is death. I mean, if you get through this virus and something else comes along and you die, that's kind of scary too. Yeah. Do you know that there's a way out of being afraid of death? Oh, really? Yeah. Jesus Christ died to make sure that you don't have to be afraid of death. And then you tell them about Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Right? Or with the whole protesting stuff the whole racial stuff and you sit down with somebody who 's concerned about it and worried about it and you just say hey i 'm just kind of curious you know where are you at with all this? I mean how are you doing I'm just I 'm just tore up inside by what 's going on and the racial issues in our country I and mean, yeah i am that 's my family i 'm tore up about it i don 't like seeing our country being tore up. You know, I'm just kind of curious, do you think that's ever going to go away? Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, it's always been that way, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of, I mean, do you know, like, history? Yeah, well, you know, there's always somebody who's, being, who's abusing somebody else. Happens in homes, happens in communities, happens in countries, happens from one country to another country. So what do you think the issue is? You well, know, probably that some people are evil. Yeah, some, all. We're all evil. We all think that we're better than other people. And you bring the gospel in there. You know, are you concerned about racial reconciliation? Yes, I am. You know you know God cares about it? He cares so much about it that he died on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God for an eternity. And then, with His Holy Spirit in us, we can go to other people and share with them who Jesus Christ is. They can be reconciled to God. And then, as people from all different races, we're united in Christ. In fact, the Bible says it's a new race of people Ephesians chapter 2. Because, listen, racial issues, economic issues, Whatever the issue is in our world, in our country, will never go away. Why? Because men are evil. Men are and women. I'm saying men in the sense of everybody. Just so my mind, except for Kim. Kim is not evil. She's. (laughs) um, I just want that to get out. Just leak it a little bit. Just leak it a little bit. No. I I mean, think about it. Anyone who's ever gotten into a position of power ends up using that power for themselves. Right? Anytime, throughout history, this is not going to change. And so, what do, what do we need to do? We need to be constrained by the needs of others. The deep, what's the need here? What's going on in their life? What's making them so concerned about this? And then show them how Jesus Christ can meet that need and not only meet the need, but help them impact other people for Christ. We're constrained by the needs of others. We're also constrained by the law of Christ. Paul says, I don't, I don't just do whatever anyone else does. I don't submit myself back to the law. I don't act like a, a Jewish person in the sense that I'm I'm doing that to gain you know, God's favor. I don't... I don't live life like them. I don't do the things that they do. I'm constrained by the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Simply, love God, love others. So as Christians, we're called to love God. Now, this is where it gets kind of difficult. Because what God calls Christians to do, what God says Christians should be thinking, as we become more and more like Christ, we are going to stand at odds with almost everybody in the country somewhere, somehow. Because the Bible stands at odds with everybody somewhere, somehow. And so we stand on Scripture, we do it God's way because we love Him. We're looking out for His best no matter what it might cost us. We're gonna, It's going to cost us standing up for God. So let me just throw out a couple examples for you. Now, I don't want anyone responding. Somebody in the first service respond. Um, nobody respond. Just in your mind, do you, would you, like to be connected with, would you support Planned Parenthood as a Christian? <clears throat> now, it may show that I'm in kind of in a bubble, but people who, those who have placed their faith in Christ, now I'm not talking about Christianity as a huge religion, but those who have placed their faith in Christ, I don't know too many who would say, yes, I would support Planned Parenthood, because we know that it's against the Bible to kill life. But whoa, 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 they, they, they do good things. They take care of people health-wise. They help people health-wise. And I'd be like, well, I can't support I don't want to be connected with them because they kill babies. I don't care what kind of good they do. It's the bad that they do. It's against what God says. So let me just ask you this question. Do you support or would you support and want to be identified with a group, an organization called Black Lives Matter? So from a political side, just watch this video, and then I want to bring in what God's Word says. Do you think that Black Lives Matter is doing a lot of good for young African Americans in our country right now?
2: Okay, in 2016, I gave a CNN interview. I was debating an attorney in L.A. named Ariva Martin, and at that time, the five police officers in Dallas had been slain, and I pointed out because I'd gone to the Black Lives Matter website that they were Marxists. It looked like, you know, that the planks came from the Communist Manifesto. They were talking about overthrowing the state. And at that time, I said that Black Lives Matter was a destructive force in our society and it was a problem. And I caught a lot of grief for saying that. Now the um, founders of Black Lives Matter—they've come out. They've come out as Marxists. And what I see is people not being able to discern between the statement, black lives matter in the same way that all lives matter, they can't distinguish between the, the slogan that's a true statement and the organization that's Marxist. And I believe that the organization itself is using black people to advance a Marxist agenda, and the corporations, the schools, the churches, the people that have gotten behind Black Lives Matter, the organization, they think they're helping black people. They think they're showing support for black people, but actually it's the opposite.
0: Why do you think that so many people support an organization like Black Lives Matter? When I mean, very clearly, you can go to their website, you can see their views, their ideals. I mean, they said they want to have literally no police anymore in America. I mean, why do you think there are so many people so attracted to those kind of values?
2: They're not attracted to it necessarily. Now, some of the people that support Black Lives Matter, they're supporting it because they think if they put a poster in their window, their windows will not be broken out. So they're sort of paying what they think is protection money. That never works. I think anyone who really understands the organization, how could they support it? I believe that white people are cowardly, especially at this moment in history, and they feel like, they want to show that they support black people. We don't hate anybody. I'm not racist. I can prove it. I'll give money to Black Lives Matter. There's no race problem. There's only a race problem when the media creates a race problem.
0: So, just on a political side, and then I want to get to what God's word says. Political in this sense. Marxism which again, you can do your own research on the the three ladies who started Black Lives Matter and their funding and all that. But Marxism played out in reality in our world is an ideology that persecutes anyone and everyone who doesn't agree with them. That's what Marxism has always done. They persecute Christians. Uh, I mean, just ask the Christians in China. You can ask the Muslims in China. Because they're being persecuted and put into um, camps where they're they're having their minds changed, supposedly, evidently. Point is, yeah, okay, political, but here's the deal: Marxism persecutes. The way our country was initially founded was founded in such a way that things would change. It can function in a way that changes. Now, the cool thing about Christianity is, it doesn't matter doesn't matter what political system we're under because Christianity operates on a human level. That's why when Christian organizations get rolling, a lot of times they get off track and they start chasing the money, which, by the way, every organization begins chasing the money. The point is, as Christians, we can operate under any ideology. It just so happens that our Constitution allows for freedom of religion. Not just Christianity, but for all religions, and we should be pushing that. But more importantly is this: If you go up on, their, on Black Lives Matters as it pertains to God and what God wants, what God says, this is the best life possible for you to lead. Okay? I circle or put them red boxes around. The first part of their, I think probably all of us would maybe agree with. I mean, yes, we Black Lives Matter. They do. They're human beings. They're made in the image of God. We all are made in the image of God. But then you get into this stuff, and this is stuff like dismantling cisgender privilege. In other words, those of us who believe that there's two sexes, male and female, they want to dismantle that thinking. I'm sorry, God's Word says that. He made them male and female in the image of God. They, they want to, well, you can just look at it. They want to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. I'm sorry, it doesn't take a village, like they say. It takes a, a, a husband and a wife and a children. If there's a village, there's supposed to be a church family around them. God designed it that way. They want to dismantle it. So the point is, yes, Black Lives Matter, but organizations who don't do life God's way, they're not pushing for godly things, Christians are not to be a part of. Why? Because we love God. And then we love others. Loving others. Looking out for the best of somebody else no matter what it might cost us. Listen, to be followers of Christ, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us sacrificing time. It's going to cost us sacrificing maybe our finances. It's going to cost us sacrificing things that we want to do for the sake of other people and their need. Our salvation costs Jesus His life. As followers of Christ, loving others means putting their needs before ours. Not just to meet their need, but to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into their life. So we're constrained by the love or law of Christ. And lastly, we're constrained by the mission of Christ. Nice. Fingers working again. Love it. Constrained by the mission of Christ. What does he he say? Why is he doing all this? Why is Paul putting himself enslaved to other people's emotions and their fears and their anxieties? Why is he doing that? that he might win more, that he might win those, that he might win those, that he might win the weak, that he might, by all means, save some. He does it for the sake of the gospel, to be a fellow partaker of it. Over and over, Paul tells us, not just
1: here, but everywhere where he writes,
0: his reason for getting up every morning, our reason for getting up every morning, is the mission of the Gospel is to share Christ with people in our lives who are hurting, who are going through difficult times, who are all tangled up with emotions and and anxieties of what this world has because this world won't last. Even if the world itself would go on forever, their life won't last. And so we, we are to become partakers of the Gospel. We live for the sake of the Gospel. Not for the sake of our finances. Not for the sake of our our uh, homes or for whatever you want to think you're living for. As Christians, we don't live for that. He talks about being partakers. What does that mean, fellow partaker of? It means that when we receive the gospel, we release the gospel. We don't receive it, hang on to it, and come over here, kind of like golem, you know. Oh, precious. I'm going to make sure nobody disrupts this because this is such a good thing, isn't it, God? I'm going to go to my church on Sunday and I'm going to hide and just feel good about the music. Oh, 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 oh. And then walk out. <gasps> Scared. We receive the gospel. God has saved us, so we release the gospel into the lives of people who are hurting around. We've got the answer. Not just for this world, but for the more important things, like the next world, what's going to last for eternity. Who gives a rip if we change someone's political view and they die and go to hell? Who cares if we change someone's view on the coronavirus? One way or the other. Oh good, they're wearing a mask now. Oh good, they're not wearing a mask now. And then they die from some other disease, and go to hell. Listen, we're showing that we love this world too much.
1: Our purpose is the gospel. We need to be all in. Run in such a way that you
0: you may win. Exercise, self-control. You, you you're not going to get a perishable wreath that just dies. You're going to get a you're going to get an eternal wreath that's imperishable. It'll never die. What is that? Well, it's not salvation because you already got that. There's some other reward. I, I I I'm not really sure what it is, but it's got to be awesome because salvation is awesome, right? <laughs> and so then I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what what could, I don't know. I don't know what it could be, but here's what I know: it's not. <laughs> it's not you going up. Or me going up to Jesus when we get to heaven and go, oh man, did you see me? Uh, there was that one guy who didn't agree with me, and I just rocked him. You know, I had some political, I had a, I had a meme on Facebook, and pow! and Jesus' hand is, stays at his side. Or hey, you know, when that virus came through, woo. Boy, there were some people that just did not understand what the virus does to the body, and I just let them have. It. I just let them know they're wrong. Go for a high five. Jesus hands by his side. Why? Because Jesus doesn't give a rip ultimately about those things. He's going to see who's around you, who you've impacted for Christ. I wonder if the wreath, which are circular. And they kind of come around like this. They don't necessarily connect. From what I've read and seen in my Latin class when I was in high school. I did take Latin. I know. It impresses you. <laughs> Maybe it's the people around us. Maybe the imperishable
1: wreath is, is the people. We need to be all in.
0: Athletes push themselves Really hard. I wasn't even an athlete. <laughs> and, uh, I was lifting weights. I would push myself really hard to lift weights for no reason other than to do it. I didn't play a sport. Weird when you think about it, but I did. God's letting us know, hey, listen, if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to push hard for whatever it is you think is important in your life, you' better be pushing hard for the gospel. Because people's eternity. Is on the line. So we constantly beat back our selfish desires. I don't want to get involved with that person. I don't want to deal with that person. No, Lord, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to discipline myself and do it. Oh, Lord, I just want to take this person and lock and load on this political issue.
1: Oh,
0: Lord, forgive me. Just give me the words of grace to say. We constantly beat back what we think we should be doing in order to do life God's way. So we talked about being constrained by the love of Christ. What's that look like? I want to give you some truth. Because love is not just being a warm fuzzy where we um, I hold you. And give comfort, but love is also doing what's best for a person, no matter what it might cost me. And sometimes throwing out truth is the most loving thing a person can do. So, I want to close with a couple points of truth for our lives, challenges for us all to be a part of. First one is this must be dirty on the point. Man has never and will never solve social injustices in our world. That's a truth. How do I know that? I've read the Bible. It's only going to get worse. Right now, Christians aren't the focal point, but you start reading in the news, you start reading some of these interviews, and they're starting to look at Christians. They're starting to look at evangelical Christians. Maybe they're the problem. If we think that our elected officials are going to do anything to fix our problems, then I think you're a little too connected to this world. They have never been able to and they never will be able to. And Even when there's a guy called the Antichrist who shows up, he's not going to be able to. So what do we do as Christians? Well, we need to toughen up. We need to toughen up. We need to stop being... Mamsie Pamsy, all emotionally driven by what's going on in our world, and we need to say, okay, no, I'm not going to do that because that's not what God wants for me to do. It's, I know, I get it. I read stuff, and I, I get worked up emotionally, but then we've got to put a stop to it and say, okay, that's how I feel, but the truth is God's got this, and there are people in my life who I need to help and encourage and bring the gospel into their lives. We need to read up. We need to get in the Bible and know what the Bible says about these things. I, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, I'm talking to I'm blue in the face, which this face doesn't get blue very often, more red than anything, but man, we gotta, we got to read up, and then we got to meet people's needs with the gospel. we got to know what's going on in the people in our lives and how it is we could best reach them and give them the understanding of that Jesus Christ is the answer for what's going on in their lives. And the second truth is this.
1: Actions speak louder than words. Christians, get off Facebook. Get off Twitter.
0: Get off Instagram. Get off TikTok. Get off Parlor, which is a new one that's coming up. I don't mean get off in the sense of stop doing it. What I'm saying is stop posting stuff on there to try to, to, try to change somebody's mind. It's not going to happen. We're supposed to be at peace with all men. What do we do? We throw stuff up on there and <laughs> watch this. And it causes a bunch of division and non-peace. That's what we're called to do. I mean, I, you know, unless you want people to, to look at you and go, oh, they're that. God wants us to have people look at us and say, oh, they're about Jesus Christ. I don't really care about Jesus Christ, but they are. They're about Jesus Christ. Put down the protest signs. We don't need to be out there protesting. It doesn't do anything. Let's just be real. It doesn't do anything except give people, who by the way, surveys would say don't even vote, a voice to say what they're upset about. Well, how about, we, how about we go make a difference? How about we get our butts off the couch and we actually go into our community kind of like Jesus and start impacting people where they live. We find out what's going on in their life, and we understand the hurts and the pains that they have in their life, and we understand it because that's where we're used to live, right? And so we, we understand how God healed that and changed that and help that, and we can start talking to them about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. And, and yeah, but Harold, I got so much, I know you got a lot to do. I got a lot to do. But we love. we're, we're constrained by the love of Christ. And really those things ultimately don't matter because one of these days someone's gonna have my massive home and it's not gonna be me. It's kind of a joke. I don't really have a real big head to the some of you guys like, yeah, I figured that he does have a massive house. No, I got a room and that's where we live, in one room. Just kidding. Someone's gonna have that. It's not gonna be standing with me in heaven. We need to get into communities. We we and again, I don't know what that looks like for you or I'm praying about what that looks like for me, but it certainly, means you know, we can get into schools and tutor, right? We can get involved in some community groups. We could do what, you know, we could ask different community leaders, say, "Hey, what is it?" I had a lady who didn't evidently like the fact that we were going to honor the police today, and then she wasn't like she was very nice about it, but she messaged me and says, "Well, you're going to honor those who have been um, killed." Um, I can't remember the phrase, she didn't say killed by police. It was, it was a much nicer phrase. Um, senseless, the senseless killings. You're going to honor those who have been senselessly killed. And, and so I, I wrote back to her, um, the gospel. I wasn't going to respond even, but I just like, Lord, i got to do something. And so I told her, you know, in Romans 13, it tells us that we're supposed to honor those in authority. And so we're honoring the police officers who are in authority. And then the way we honor people, I get it that there's a sense skilling, but the way we honor people is that we bring into their lives Jesus Christ. And I gave her some passages. She never got back to me. Because here's kind of a, did I mention this? I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier. I did it at 9 o'clock. If I did, forgive me. But if you, if you do that, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to share the gospel with somebody, and they're going to want more of it, or they're going to never talk to you again. You bring the gospel into a conversation and they will either thank you for it and think on it and maybe even come to Christ or they'll never talk to you again. At least that's been my experience. And so we we bring, we go and make a difference. We get off, we get out from behind. the. It's so easy, right, to throw stuff up on Facebook, sit on our couch, complain, frustrate, be scared, be wondering, It's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to get out into our communities it starts you know, in our families. It starts in our neighborhood. And then we get out into communion. We find out ways that we can do that. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying you come back to me, hey, here's how you can do this, Harold, or how the church can do it. No, no, no. I got my own things that God's working on, and there's some things that you know, we'll do as a church family. But man, if you come up with something, and, and you go make an impact for the sake of Christ, that I'm going to say, hey, church family, let's help this person out. That's what the church family is supposed to do. But one more thing, and then because I'm running along here. One more thing. I, I get asked by different ecumenical groups, which are just uh, religious groups, pastors, churches, that want us to be a part of what they're doing to meet the needs of the community. And I always say no. And here's why I say no. Because we're not here just to meet the needs of the community. They don't want to talk about the gospel. One of the reasons why, because there's a bunch of different religions who don't believe the same way as we do. <clears throat> But they don't want to talk about the gospel. They just want to meet the needs. Listen, I'm all about meeting the needs, but again, if we have healthy, wealthy, and wise people who die and go to hell, we've done nothing. And so the impact that we're going to make in people's lives is we're going to seek to connect with people personally, meet their needs personally, to share Christ with them personally, and then walk with them, whether they make the decision for Christ or not, to walk with them. If they make the decision for Christ, you walk with them. Notice how I said that, you You walk with them. I'm there for you. Other people are there for you. We need to make an impact in our community. Here's how I'd like to end this morning. I'm not going to have the band come up. um, But it was great to have Aaliyah here. Where are you? Aaliyah was here. It's Caleb's sister. Really appreciate her coming up from Florida and uh, singing. Um, I appreciate that. If you want her to sing, she can do it in the lobby for you. Um, I'm just going (laughs) to... I'm just going to give just to you some time to spend some time with the Lord and think. Just work through this, and I hope you work through it when you get home. But just say, God, give me an understanding of what it is that I need to do. What do you want to do in and through me? Let me give you about 30 seconds of time, and then I'll close in prayer.